So, dude, have you been in, on Twitter at all over this evening? Um, not recently, because I've been at work and then eating dinner. Uh, fill me in. So, I'm going to try to find a PG way of describing this debate on Twitter. But the creators of the Harley Quinn show had to delete a scene where, let's say, Batman was servicing Catwoman. Um, because it was apparently the way in which it was done was too obscene. Um, I'm, I'm really having trouble saying this in a PG way, especially because she's Catwoman, and there's so many pussycat jokes that are just thrown right out there. But they deleted this, and so there's a debate on Twitter now of, like, does Batman do said act? Or is the Cape Crusader above that? And this is a legitimate debate on Twitter now. I, okay, one, hold on. As a person who has watched this TV show, I am slightly bummed that they took this out because I feel like it would totally fit this show. Well, and they're they like, it's hard to sell toys knowing that Batman did that. And Catwoman in this show is like completely just like stupid. Like, uh, okay, she's not like her character and Batman are like totally different from the comics. Also, if we're going like off of comics wise, like, there's a little comic where he has his schlong just laying out in yeah, one of them. Yeah, we've seen his member in the pages of DC Comics. So, um, and 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 this Harley Quinn show is like the epitome of like what a Deadpool is. So I'm very surprised that they took this out. I think Batman does it, but I mean, uh, he's not he's not above it. He, he, he's not above it. He's a self-sacrificial man. He'll do what he needs to do for his partner. But it made me think, because I just finished reading the DC Rebirth uh, Batman line. Spoilers ahead for it. But um, basically, it's all about like a will they or won't day with Batman and Catwoman getting married. And at the end, they are about to get married. Spoilers. But they forget because they're too busy having sex on a rooftop. Like, they have sex the whole night, and then they wait, realize, oh, wait, we forgot to meet up with the judge to get married because we're too busy having sex. Uh, I think they actually have a new comic now where it's just uh, Batman and Catwoman, and it's kind of, like, post that whole storyline. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't read it. Um, interesting the rebirth, I, the, the rebirth line is super good. Like, it's really good. has a lot of Bane. Um, it, which it works is your well aesthetic. If you know, exactly exactly he's my man um it has a lot of flashpoint kind of stuff which can get confusing to non-dc fans but it also has batman doing the deed on a rooftop which sounds like a lot of chafing but i'm into it i just think of the college humor video when uh after the the dark knight (laughs) (laughs) i know exactly what you're talking about but if you haven't anyway. seen that video, please go and watch that video. It's great. And uh, I don't endorse that video, but it does bring me a lot of laughs and a lot of joy. So, Just kind of like how you view Shrek as love. But speaking of Shrek, we're Pod Wars, and today we're going to be talking some, possibly some Bad Batch, and definitely some Loki, and most likely some comics. But what do you want to start out here with? I am I actually since I know I'm gonna be the ed- one editing this, I'm gonna put some effort into it, which is weird. Um, mm. And I will put in the nerdy nuggets intro, and I think we should start with some nerdy nuggets. Wait, now that I found out you're editing it, I'm realizing there's a whole segment about Batman performing sexual acts where I didn't say inappropriate words because I thought I might get screwed. That I just missed that opportunity. 
<laughs> I could have been swearing up a storm and saying all kinds of indecent things and just made you edit like crazy. Oh uh, no, I would just make a have an explicit thing on there and just people <laughs> our fans can just deal with it. Yeah, right. But here what we got for nerdy nuggets. Nuggets. Crispy nuggets. Spicy nuggets. Nerdy nuggets. All right, so the first one, uh, this is big news, comics realm. Al Ewing and Ram V, Brian Hitch, are taking over the Venom run after this last Venom issue that comes out this week. It's currently, we're recording on Monday, June 14th, so this Wednesday. Uh, Venom 200 is coming out, or uh, according to Donny Cates' run, Venom 35. End of his run. It's been a long run. It's been, what, uh, started in 2017? So... That's a long time. Uh, I'm, I'm personally, I'm very sad. Uh, this run started, you know, in a very pivotal, pivotal point in my life, and it's ending in a very pivotal point in my life. So it's, I bought way too many issues of this specific uh, Venom 200. You were buying every single King and Black offshoot. Like I, I visited you one time, and you had a box filled not of King and Black, but of the offshoots of King and Black. I have. Um, I have the whole Venom run almost to the point where I have a second set of it so that one day I can sell it and it's going to be worth a lot of money. So back off. <laughs> anyway, what do you think but of Al Ewing taking over? I, I think it would be cool. I mean, I like Immortal Hulk being what Al Ewing um, wrote previously. And it's kind of like they're doing a switcheroo. Of right. Him doing Venom and then Donny Cates doing Hulk. Which I know you were kind of bummed about, but like I like the idea of Donny Cates taking over Hulk. You know, the more I thought about it, and the more I've talked about some talked about this with a bunch of my, you know, comic book friends, they have convinced me and have gotten me excited over this because Donny's going to write a really great Hulk, and just the Ali Wing does a whole horror thing, so having Venom, which is already a super scary character, and then adding another horror element to it. I'm going to love that. It's going to be great. And then the other thing that I'm really excited about coming from, you know, the Donny Cates and uh, Ryan Otley perspective is if you like Invincibles, um, if you like the, you know, amazing Spider-Man run art, like you're going to like this new Hulk stuff. And so I I love his art. I think it's uh, entertaining and it's pretty visceral. So I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do with Hulk. And I I think Hulk is perfect for Donny Cates because... Like he can, he his whole thing is he wants to explore a new direction with the Hulk, which frankly is kind of hard to do because there's so many freaking iterations of the Hulk. Then, and my thought is, okay, is he gonna do one where the Hulk and Banner are truly separate now? Is he gonna do something bigger than the World Breaker Hulk from uh, World War Hulk? What what's he well, gonna go with it? So he's also writing Thor, so I'm wondering if somehow. We're going to get a similar, maybe Thor Ragnarok kind of story, hmm. like the movie. And then I like that. I would love that. That'd be super cool. But I mean, that'd be so knowing, cool. Knowing Donnie, he's got this like similar routine where it's the first six issues. It's this, he's setting up the premise and he's making a promise. And it's going to be some huge thing that it's going to make everyone's heads, you know, just start spinning. And then the next six issues, there's going to be kind of. Uh, you know, kind of mellow and really character building. So I'm really excited for that first one to come out. Yeah, I'm I'm psyched for both. Both are great authors, for sure. 
All right, number two, or I guess number three on my notes. Zack Snyder wants to direct a Lord of the Rings film and a Star Wars film. What do you think about that, Gary? As a DC fan, a DC lover, what is your thought? I couldn't handle... Actually, I don't know. I'm just imagining Aragorn in slow-mo for like 10 minutes straight. And I'm kind of into that. I just imagining like Legolas letting go of an arrow... And it's the whole scene is, you know, they're fighting. It's going really fast. The action's going. But then it goes back to this arrow and it's still just traveling the whole time, really slow to like the main <laughs> bad guy. And then it just goes back to the action. It's really fast. And then it goes back to this really slow arrow, just traveling. That's all I can picture um, him or, doing. Thing is, they're going to make one cut first. It's going to be um, Silmarillion without Morgoth. And then they're going to have to do an extended one where they actually allow Morgoth in it. That's what's probably going to happen. I am not a fan of him doing Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. I think... No. He's kind of like the... like He's like the Michael Bay of this kind of like recent movie generation. You know? He is his cliche. I mean, he, he did do some bangers, like 300 and... I can't think of anything else because Sucker Punch sucked. And <laughs> he did some bangers like this one movie that was pretty good. <laughs> I know people are, or I guess Man of Steel. We can give him that. And okay, and, and yeah. Snyder Cut was Snyder Cut was good too, I guess. But but I mean, I'm I'm not really looking for him to do a Star Wars film unless it's like let's give him Revan or give him Bane or uh, Darth, yeah Darth Bane and just let him do whatever he wants and total sith war or something like that i'll i'll, I'll let him do that well i just want to see that kind of storyline on film you know i don't care who does it right i mean there are certain people that i wouldn't want them to do it but like yes i get what you're saying <laughs> all right next point speaking of lord of the rings uh we get a new lord of the rings anime war of rohirrim and apparently it's set in the same universe as peter jackson's other six movies yeah, so the War of Rohirrim film, first off, really freaking excited because I think anime displays the scale of Lord of the Rings in a way that it's hard to do in live action. Not that the live action Lord of the Rings wasn't beyond amazing, but it's also about a part in the appendix of Lord of the Rings. So it it's something that only like the mega nerds like myself would actually really look and me into. Too. Have you read the appendix of Lord of the Rings? Yes, I read. I've read well, not everything. That's a lie. But I've read at least seventy percent of all Star Wars novels. Oh yeah, I mean Lord of the and, Rings novels. Sorry, and you read the Silmarillion too, right? All the way yeah. through. Yes. Okay. Okay. So then, you can appreciate it too. It's let me look up the exact thing here. Uh, but they're gonna go into more of the more of Rohan and Helm Hammerhand and different battles that he had throughout Middle Earth, and it's gonna be heavy on kind of that Norse type mythology. Um, and then going into some origins of Helm's Deep, um, and I'm I'm just psyched to see Lord of the Rings on the big screen again. I'm psyched that's an anime kind of format. I think that's perfect for Lord of the Rings, and I'm. I, I was texting you earlier. I'm like, hey, what are the odds that this is going to be better than the Amazon show? And you're like, pretty damn good. Yes, June 6th or June 14th, 2021. I'm claiming it right now. This anime will be better than the Amazon show. 
because Amazon probably doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. They're going to make it Game of Thrones, which, like, isn't what Tolkien is. They're going to have, like, little hobbits with their dinklages hanging out, and I just don't need I, that. I don't... We're not the Force Losers podcast, Gary. Like, we don't talk about that kind of stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Shout out to Force Losers, and what was it? Two hours to edit the episode we did with Kev? Yeah. Yep. It, sounded, it's, it was still good, though. It was we still love, good. We love him. Yeah. All right, last one uh, for Nerdy Nuggets. Saw Gerrera is in the Andor series. S- that one I think we all kind of predicted. At least I thought for sure. Because it's supposed to be about the seedy underbelly of the Rebellion. And who else but Saw Gerrera would be a part of that. And But I think Forrest Whitaker is taking up his role again and is coming back. And I'm excited for that because I thought he did a really great job in Rogue One. Yeah. Um and I would say, oh, he's too expensive, but Disney has money up the butthole, and they can afford to get a, a bigger name like him in the production. For sure. Gary, you got anything else that you want to say about uh, Andor series? Yeah. Um, call me the party pooper here, but I'm not that psyched about the Andor series of all of them. I mean, I like Rogue One a lot, but it's just not as compelling to me as the new kind of tv star wars verse that they're making with the mandalorian and all the interconnecting plots with that so i'm still gonna watch it don't get me wrong i'm gonna eat it up with the spoon but i'm not super duper psyched for it interesting probably shouldn't tell ro that he'll probably uh ban us from the network but that's okay Mm. Well, he'll he'll probably already ban us because he did that show with us and then the audio file got corrupted and then we never told him. Shout out to Ro to see if he's if he's listening to this pod. We apologize. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. And that's the end of our nerdy nugget section, which, you know, we haven't done in a really, really long time. So I'm really happy that we got a chance to do that. Nerdy nuggets. Um, Gary, now that you just crapped on the Andor series, why don't we move into Bad Batch and how we uh, feel about that? Um, okay. We're, we're talking about Bad Batch and we do believe it has a little bit of the Dave Filoni syndrome. If it starts out good, has a lull, and then hopefully comes on strong at the end. Um, the, we're talking about the most recent last two episodes, um, yeah, the six and seven. Six and seven. Episode six, I, I heard online before I watched it going in that there's a cameo from Clone Wars, and I was pretty psyched. I'm like, okay, that'll be dope to get a cameo. And then I text Justice, we'll watch it. And I'm like, of all characters, it's freaking Rafa. The one from the most uninteresting Clone Wars arc is like the cameo. And it was just a total filler episode for me. Like, I, I have no, nothing more to say beyond that. It was just a filler episode. Yeah, I I feel bad saying this, but I fell asleep four times watching it. I would like start watching it, fall asleep and like have to keep on rewinding it. It eh, I don't know. I should probably stop watching them on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> but that probably is. I I mean, okay, I will say the part where Wrecker almost loses it, that part was cool. But like other than that it was entirely just meh for me. But the next episode wasn't meh. It was actually a lot of fun, and I love Rex. Anytime Rex is there, he brings me joy. Rex is the cameo I wanted. 
So I was happy to see Rex actually in there. Like that, I got psyched. And I actually really want to talk about this episode because if you listen to our previous stuff, and I'm sure everyone and their mother guessed this, but we finally got to the episode where the Bad Batch has to get their chip taken out and Rex is the one that like breaks the news to them. And, you know, the whole time we've seen Wrecker and he's keep on getting these headaches and you're finally, you know, I, I was questioning myself, when is he going to snap on the, you know, his friends? And he totally did that. And I thought that scene was awesome. Um, I don't know. There's something to him with having like a glass eye or like a the white eye and not being able to, you know, him going insane in that scene. I think that added, you know, just to it. There was a, I love that part. I mean, it's what we are all waiting for this whole season. He kept on, they kept on teasing that headache he had, and we just knew at some point he was going to turn. And it got intense when, like, he pinned down Omega and was basically about to kill her. I thought for sure they would do the cheesy thing of, like, she brought him back or she'll use the force to appeal to him as a person. But no, he was ready to murder her, um, which I thought was awesome. And... One of the things that I was reading up online about this whole episode and the things that you missed, that's actually the same planet that Cal Kestis is on. That yes. I thought that was awesome. One of the things that I didn't realize as I, you know, I guess I hadn't thought about it in the Star Wars universe, there are so many ships on there and they were rusting so fast. Like the amount of destruction and leftover rubble and just like broken ships was also kind of, like, you know, kind of sad. Like, that environment's, like, just forever ruined. Yeah, you have entire planets filled with this pollution that, like, is there for scavengers. And it's also kind of sad to see the Clone Wars ships in a wreck because you'd just seen them in Clone Wars being, like, these mighty battleships. So you're like, wow, like, the Clone Wars is over. I felt the same way seeing... um the ships as a wreck in Jedi Fallen Order or the Death Star as a wreck in Rise of Skywalker. Like, there's just something sad about seeing that. But the episode, obviously, it's a kids' TV show, so it ended good. You know, they were able to get their microchips taken out and they're having the whole mystery, you know, mystery around who's Rex talking to, maybe trying to bridge the gap between how, you know, what the events of Clone Wars and him and we, when we see him in Red Bulls. So I think that's what the purpose of this whole episode and future episodes will be. Well, which brings me to the idea of, okay, are they going to connect Bad Batch to Ahsoka and the rest of the Rebellion or Bail Organa and the rest of the Rebellion? Because that has to be who Rex was talking to. It's either Ahsoka or Bail Organa, somebody involved with the Rebellion. Saw Gerrera, maybe. Saw Gerrera, um, maybe. Yeah, no, I, one of the things that I actually thought about, have you ever played the Republic Commando game back in the day? Uh, yeah, a little bit of it. This is totally just Disney's version of Republic Commando. I don't know why it took me such a long time to make that connection, but, you know, four really BA clone troopers who go off and do their own thing that all have like their own special abilities, that's Bad Batch. They just <laughs> Disney-fied it. yeah. With a little bit more of a Rambo and Expendables 1980s testosterone stuff in there. True, true, true. All right, you got anything else that you want to say on uh, Bad Bitch? Mm, uh, no, but I appreciate that you just, like, slid that in there. <laughs> Slithered your way in. 
<laughs> they should have named a show that just about Asajj Ventress. I still, I stand by that to this day. Well, when you quit your PT job and start doing animation, you can pitch it to Lucasfilm and give them this great idea when, you know, Disney owns everything and owns HBO Max and it'll just be on there. Yeah, yeah. One day. But is that all our... Uh, yeah, that's all our nerdy nuggets in Star Wars. Are you ready to go on to some Loki, dude? Yeah, so I'm actually really excited to talk to you about this. I wrote yeah. so many questions down that I don't even know if we'll be able to get through all of them without making this podcast forever long. So let's just dive let's deep just... into this. So first off, I love the episode. Um, I think this one is the strongest uh, start of all the Disney Plus Marvel shows so far. And I think it 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 made a good it did a good job of connecting it to the rest of the universe and adding in like fun Loki and Owen Wilson moments plus like deep sad moments and existential terror and adding a lot more to Marvel. Like there's a lot to talk about and a lot to cover within this episode. Yes, I did love the whole I, I feel like after each um not maybe each one, but you know, they did it with Guardians of the Galaxy, they kinda did it with Thor. You have new en- these new entries adding so much more lore, and now you get the TVA and you know the the three timekeepers, and I have a feeling that they're going to play a massive role. Like they're going to just keep on expanding on those characters. Um, I do agree with you. I do think this is the best. I was trying to comp- like, is it better than WandaVision? And I do like it more because I like how it picks up kind of right after Endgame, and this is also yeah. like it's it's the. I think it's the best of both worlds. You know, I, I, Falcon and Winter Soldier um, really helped kind of tie what what people were feeling after the snap, and then WandaVision with its own little thing. And I feel like this is kind of um, its own thing, but also kind of tying in that that uh, you know post end game thing that we all want to hear and all want to know about. And it also um, it kind of fixes some plot holes for End Game. I feel like. Um, of the idea of, okay, why didn't time get all effed up by all the stuff in Endgame and the timekeeper saying, like, to Loki, when he was saying, you should rest the Avengers for kind of messing up time. And them saying, no, they were meant to do that. Of how this change overall was just part of the plan, essentially. Yeah, there's there's some things about that. Like, I don't know, do you... Uh, we'll get into it or what, what, before we get into the questions and that brings up a, a whole thing. Um, cause I feel like it's kind of a cop out answer, but we'll get into that, I guess a little bit later. Uh, what else stood out to you in the episode? Well, let's see. I think that it's cool seeing Loki and how he's going back to kind of OG Loki of that guy from Avengers, it was kind of weird for me thinking, okay, this isn't the same Loki I saw in Ragnarok. This isn't the same Loki I saw earlier who was kind of getting into more of a, for lack of a better word, humility. This is a Loki who is still at his height of cockiness, height of fragility as a person. And you have to kind of remind yourself you're not seeing the same character. It did definitely take me a long time to get to that point. Um, I, because I, I guess I did fall in love with the whole Loki version in Thor Ragnarok, and even in you know Endgame when he gets his neck snapped and whatnot. The thing that stuck out to me was watching him 
watching his mother die and watching like his reaction with his brother and just like the end that that whole I guess they're different sequences but that like I I, I shed a tear I really did because it, it's just so sad you know his mother meant so much to him because Odin is such a dick and <laughs> <laughs> to for him to find out like that's what happens um I don't know it's it's just cool to be able to see maybe we won't get the same Loki but we'll definitely get we we're getting like a um Tom Hiddleston going through another character development again and uh that brings me to kind of the existential horror of the episode like Loki's essentially realizing one that he'll never be the pinnacle of existence two that everything he thinks is powerful is a lie it essentially isn't and also that he is destined to he's essentially destined to mediocrity and death and he gets all that given to him in like a day and he's going through all this major crisis with with seeing the infinity stones seeing his mother dying seeing himself dying realizing he wasn't destined for greatness and that's the part that really struck me is like could you imagine thinking that you are almost top of the line and then just suddenly humbled like crazy in this kind of environment realizing that essentially you were living for nothing yeah the idea that um marvel definitely saying that there is uh no free will it is all um Mm -hmm. predestined Uh, that is a uh, rude awakening especially for someone with a who thinks so highly of himself marvel's pretty damn calvinist dude they're like major calvinist yeah i mean sure (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if you really want to get into that conversation not really but okay it's the tva i want to make sure i'm saying it right for the timekeepers or time time variance yeah i thought that their aesthetic was kind of cool of it's definitely a 70s kind of aesthetic that's meant to be a little bit off-putting like make you kind of uncomfortable with little kind of posters everywhere that have a kind of a 1984 big brother feel it's a very like you see the scenes of him walking into the lobby and you're like i'm just kind of uncomfortable right now even the time clock miss time or whatever her name was when that whole i don't know about that animation was just creep to me it was creepy it was different like i mean we got a lot of uh nerdy nuggets and what's going on and the whole thing with the TV show. But it, it like her, just like kind of like her, her shrill voice and everything that happens is, uh, I don't know. It gave me the heebie jeebies. It gives me like a, a fallout kind of feel like the video games, which are an homage obviously to the stuff from the fifties, talk about the nuclear bomb and those like little infomercial things. But did you notice in that thing with, um, the little animation they showed a war between the one variant character and the one side with these blue aliens and this other side was armored aliens that looked basically like they're fighting on titan so they mentioned how there was a war of the multiverses and they show that war there i'm thinking that's either the kree skull war that they were referring to or it's some sort of war between the kree and the Eternals on Titan. But I saw that and I'm like, that definitely looks like it's Titan. And that commercial is also really important too because the second time that Marvel's mentioned the word Nexus 
uh, a Nexus event. And the other time that you saw a Nexus event was in WandaVision when they were mm. telling you to take that Nexus pill when you're feeling out of reality, which, all, again, all kind of ties again to this whole idea of timelines and reality and warping it and what are you doing with, you know, essentially, like, are you, you know, in in the right timeline, in the right mind space? Um, another thing was the weapons they used for it, those little, like, wands. Um, I believe, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it was called Retro Cannons in the comic, like, retcon style. So it's essentially them acknowledging that the Timekeepers were basically a tool to retcon within the comics. But I thought that was hilarious. The, I didn't even realize that the TVA was a comic book thing until... I think I I don't know if it was Watch Mojo or uh, Comics Explained, but they totally went into it, and they're they're just like this like little nerdy group that doesn't really add a whole lot to the comic universe or lore. But like I love how Marvel is like kind of expanding on these guys so much. Yeah, they were only in the comics. I think I, I saw it was Comics Explained mentioned on that they're in the comics only about thirty nine times. Started as the Time Twisters in Thor and really aren't that big of a character. Like, the fact that Marvel's investing this much time into the freaking Timekeepers is funny because they're kind of like the deep, dark underbelly. Like, you have to really know Marvel to actually know who the Timekeepers are. Yeah, but it's kind of like how Guardians of the Galaxy started. Like, no one... True. If you weren't a comic book fan, no one knew who they were. And then, you know... That blew up, so I'm assuming this is going to be the same thing for this. Another thing that I want to point out before we get to the questions, I love that Loki was D.B. Cooper. Um, yes. <laughs> although they could have, I, I don't know, when I was talking to one of my friends, he said that they could have set that up just a little bit cooler. I don't know if I agree with that, but I still love that Like they mentioned that they you know, uh, added that little element into there. It just makes Loki's backstory even better. So for those who don't know who D.B. Cooper is, Thankfully, I have a little thing called Wikipedia up on my computer, so you know it's entirely factual. But D.B. Cooper is an unidentified man who hijacked a Boeing 727 aircraft in U.S. airspace between Portland and Seattle on November 24th, 1971. And he collected a $200,000 ransom, um, which doesn't sound like a lot today, but it's equivalent to $1.28 million today. And they don't they still don't know who the heck this guy is. Um, they assume that he didn't survive jumping out of the plane, but we don't know. Yeah, Heimdall must have grabbed him, and he lost most of his money and was a, it was a waste of a mission. But Thor dared him, so it's fine. Um, other things that I want to talk about, the Infinity Stones, how... They're just used as paperweights. Have you seen all the memes going around where it's like uh, Thanos just collects paperweights or this person <laughs> just does this with a paperweight? And they totally change the meaning of like what does it mean to own an Affinity Stone or I guess kind of showing their power that they have over the universe. Which they explore in the comics a little bit too. Like, oh, there was one DC Marvel crossover where Darkseid kicked Thanos' ass and grab the Infinity Gauntlet, and he's like, this is useless to me. Basically being like, I can't use this outside of the Marvel Universe. So it's kind of denoting the idea that the Timekeepers are kind of 
outside of reality in an odd way. And I also appreciate that they had some random stuff in that drawer. Um, they had a Hornus Wagner card, which is the most expensive baseball card, just like sitting in the drawer too. And I thought they had the ultimate nullifier, but there was like this random gun looking metal thing. But I don't I don't know if it was the ultimate nullifier from Fantastic Four. It would be dope if it was, but I just saw that and was wondering. Yeah, I'm not very familiar with the ultimate nullifier, but I have heard it before. The other thing that is just Marvel teasing us because they like to is having that huge mosaic of the devil character. And everyone and their mother is not going to be like, it's Mephisto, it's Mephisto, they're introducing Mephisto. Guys, they're not going to do it, okay? They have another villain they're already going to introduce. It's King the Conqueror. All right, get over yourself. And they already said, it's meant to be Loki. That scene is meant to be Loki. Guys, we do not mean Mephisto. So Stop stop selling Fantastic whatever, the first introduction of Mephisto for $1,500. It's not worth that much, okay? I want to buy it for a lot less. <laughs> <laughs> Let Justice buy his damn comic. Anyway, should we get into some questions? Because I feel like there's a lot of things that need to be addressed that we yeah. don't, we, we don't have the answers for. So let's just talk it's, about it anyway. Yeah, let's just let's talk a little bit more Loki. All right. How do you feel about the TVA resetting all these timelines? Or, or do you think they're destroying the timelines or just resetting them or... Because, like, essentially, they're, like, killing billions and trillions of people. I think that it's, um, well, I think a couple things with their resetting the timeline. One, I think it is probably immoral because, like, their video showed a dude becoming a variant just by being a little late to work. And it's like, okay, if you're a little late to work, you could be erased from existence. Like, that's essentially what they're saying, which is definitely messed up. Um, also, I think that they use chaos magic or dark magic of some sort to do it because when they put in their little time bomb thing it turns purple which definitely is to me is an ode to chaos magic just like from wandavision um which means it's probably a little bit dubious and i also think they probably suck at their job because we know there's going to be a freaking multiverse because disney's already has multiverse of madness <laughs> in the schedule so we know they aren't good at their job i just so one of the things that like, I guess I wanted like I was thinking about is do they literally delete the timeline so it doesn't happen again or do they just like reset it so there's a possibility that it might get back to where there's a potential variant and then but if that variant doesn't deviate too much they'll let it go does that make sense do you get what I'm saying maybe like do they delete that variant and then like completely reset from there or are you brought back at as said variant yeah to the point where like right before you veer veer off i don't know there's a lot and i'm not smart uh the other thing (laughs) that you have to think about too is isn't the guy who gets you know when like they're telling the guy to grab a ticket and he gets he gets like zapped and dissipates like didn't they just create a variant timeline because he can't go back to his timeline now I see. I didn't know if they killed him though, or if he went back to his original timeline again. Like, if that is their punishment, you go back to your timeline. But when I, I don't know. I don't no. know. It, it's weird. It's definitely weird. Okay. Do you actually think it's a bad Loki? Do you think it's Do you think it's Loki, or do you think it's Mephisto? 
I love that you asked that question. I think it's female Loki. Um, cause is the like the she Loki, female Loki. I don't know how to say it properly. We had someone yell at us on Twitter for she or female Thor. Um, but she's been in a lot of comics as of late. Um, they mentioned the idea of Loki being gender fluid, which I think is less of an ode to like the scene of things in the real world, more of an ode to the fact that there's multiple versions of Lokis of various genders. So we could have a female Loki be the bad guy. Um, plus I, I think the world is ready for the idea of Tom Hiddleston having sexual tension with himself of like Loki is attracted to nobody else more than himself. And I think the world's ready for that. And we all know what everyone's favorite scene was, no matter if you're where, where you align yourself on the sexuality spectrum that when he gets his clothes blasted off, like it's just he, like he was contractually obligated to do that scene to appease everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also like, screw you, Tom Hiddleston. You have abs that freaking easily. Or do you think I they're real? BS. I, I call BS. I call BS. He has skinny British guy abs, okay? They're totally CGI'd in. Sorry to burst your bubble out there, fangirls. Or it's not like Henry Cavill where that's, that's real. No, Henry Cavill is just like, he makes all men feel inadequate that he has to have something wrong with him. He's just got to. It's like... <laughs> Maybe he's got really weird-looking thumbs. <laughs> like Megan Fox. <laughs> Look up <laughs> Megan Fox's thumbs. You will not be disappointed. All right. So one of the things that I'm... There's other questions that more or less talking about time travel because that just boggles my mind and it, whatever. But uh, a lot of fans are pointing out that one of the scenes, there's like a the door opens or like the teleportation thing they have, they walk through and you see a guard carrying someone or pushing them along the way. And it looks like a female people are calling that Peggy. And maybe that's a time mm. variance authority coming after Steve and Peggy for breaking the sacred timeline and staying back after he returned all the stones. What do you think about that? I, I saw the same theory. Um, my thought is, one, they said the Avengers were meant to go back in time, so, like, I don't think so. And two, it would be classic, like, male chauvinism that Cap goes back in time, but you know what? We're going to, like, punish the woman for it. Like, Cap, you're fine. Okay, you did, but they, they said that the Avengers were supposed to go back in time. They never said that Captain America was supposed to stay back there. He was just supposed to return them. So, like, he Fair. could have created another deviant or variant, and maybe that's was going to also send it red, and they had to reset it, and, or I don't know. Well, I've seen the argument being, then why don't they take Cap? I think I know why. Because Peggy, in that variant timeline, maybe she had a kid, and she was pregnant, so they had to take Peggy. Yeah, or maybe in that variant timeline, she becomes Captain Britain instead of uh, Captain America becoming mm. Captain America. I don't know. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, it, it definitely could be something there. The other thing that I want to think about and address with people, do you think that Loki stole a time stone when he opened up the drawer? Granted, the, we all know the Infinity War, or Finding Stones don't work while they're in the TVA, but it, as you could see later in you know trailers and other commercials, they definitely leave the TVA at some point. 
I'm wondering if he stole a time stone and is keeping it to use it eventually, and that's how he's going to break himself out. What do you think? Ooh, okay. I like it. I like the idea of Loki stealing one of the Infinity Stones. Because even though, yeah, you're right, he can't use it at the TVA, he's going with the hopes he can use it in the real world when he's there. Um, and the reason that I bring this up is because they already kind of... Maybe, okay, maybe it's a little too obvious, sure, whatever, but he stole the, I don't even know, the little machine that Owen Wilson had to yeah. make him go back when, so he didn't get, like, attacked. So I could totally see them, like, see, Loki already did this, so he did this, he stole this one. Like, it's just, we just didn't see it happening, but I, I, I can, I have a theory, and I want to talk about theories after we're done talking about our questions, but, so I'll hold on for right now, but, um... What do you, you got any other questions that you want to kind of address? Well, I don't know if this is a question or a theory, but well, I guess a question in that, okay, the timekeepers are there to preserve the one main timeline. Um, we know they probably suck at it because Marvel is Earth, what, 1999 and Earth 616 is the comic. So there are multiple timelines. But then how would, who would determine what this ultimate timeline is? So it's the timekeeper's job to preserve it, but who determines what happens on the timeline? Is this, like, their way of getting the one above all in there? Is this their way of showing how celestials or something are above this reality? Maybe get into weird cosmic stuff? I don't know. It just makes my mind melt. Yeah, I think they're arguing that the multiverses have essentially fought to determine who is the main multiverse. And that in order to stop that fighting, they decided to have one main timeline. Which leads to the question then of who was fighting, what within these universes were fighting, and how is it supposed to be this huge cataclysmic event that led to this huge issue? I think that would be interesting if they somehow introduced Galactus this way, or you could introduce the Celestials, like you said earlier. The... Um, what is it? You know, Galactus is basically from the universe before the Big Bang that started yeah. Marvel. So maybe, maybe one of his species is still around and is the one that determined what is the the sacred timeline, or maybe it's just Stanley and it's just going to be a, an ode to Stanley. That I could see them doing because they did have that ode to Stanley in the mural behind them, um, but. There's a lot of weird stuff they could go with it, unlike the idea of a multiverse. And then there's the idea of nexus beings, which they tease in WandaVision, of like beings that can change time and change reality to a point beyond the TVA's control. Because the TVA... Yeah, like why wasn't the TVA... Yeah, why wasn't the TVA stopping Wanda? Why weren't the Eternals doing anything? That doesn't make any sense either. I know that has nothing to do with Loki, but like... (laughs) What the hell? Like Be, uh. that is that is a plot hole the Eternals is definitely going to cover. But like comic wise, like there's beings beyond the scope of the timekeepers that can do what they want. Um like the Living Tribunal. Living Tribunal. Um Wanda is one of them. Uh Franklin Richards, him and Galactus are kinda on similar scale of like Franklin Richards is gonna be transcending the end of the universe and becoming the new galactus and all kinds of stuff you're going to get into some weird cosmic crap with this show if they expand it as far as they could 
so this leads me to i guess the last two questions um can the time i think you kind of maybe a little addressed it can the timekeepers be beaten that's we're just going to start with that one i think outside of their realm absolutely um like we know loki is going to escape from them and turn himself against them at some point like that's just how loki is well this leads to my next question and this goes and this is going to lead into theories and uh what we are expecting to be the next thing will loki try to take over the tva cuz we we talked about earlier how he's back to reverted to his own self he hasn't gone through the character development that we saw in Ragnarok he's still kind of a douchebag and thinks that he's you know this god driven with purpose maybe he really still thinks that and is now coming up with a plan to take over the TVA to control it, to have his, you know, control the ultimate timeline. Maybe that is what the evil Loki is trying to do right now is take over the TVA. Like not just like F up the whole timeline that evil Loki that our current Loki is going after is possibly trying to take over. Something to think about. And it's something that I definitely, I think we'll be seeing, uh, I, I have a I have a feeling that our Loki is actually planning the same thing. Okay. I feel like this is going to go into like Rick and Morty zone with this show where we're going to run to multiple. Because when you get into multiverse, you have infinite possibilities that they're trying to make finite. And if Loki could become a variant in that moment, theoretically, Loki could become a variant in any moment. Therefore, we're going to have multiple Lokis. And at some point, it's going to be like a council of Ricks, where we're just going to have a council of Lokis, <laughs> and one of them's going to be like the idiot Rick, the other one's going to be the Texan Rick, and all of those again. It's interesting that you're talking about how there's infinite timelines, but then the TVA is all about making everything finite, and and trying to, I guess, stop these infinite possibilities. They're essentially going against, if you ascribe to the like multiverse theories in physics, which I don't even understand. But theoretically, you would have an infinite amount of universe-i, universes, universe-n, whatever the plural is, and they're trying to narrow that all down. So that has to be, like, pretty damn dictatorial. Like, you have to be really authoritarian to narrow all of that infinity down. I'm glad it's not my job. Right? All right, you got anything else, any theories that you think that's going to happen come uh, this Wednesday? Female Loki, Council of Lokis, Pickle Loki. That's all I got to say. I'm Pickle Brick. <laughs> all right. Should we do jump into the, our favorite segment? Yes, it's time for the wonderful segment one that I don't have a good intro for and don't have a good way to hype up this week. But either way, Justice is editing, so I'm sure he's going to put in the jingle for Comic of the Week. Comic of the Week. All right, Gary. I read a lot of comics, so you get to pick from one of them or maybe a few of them, and I will... uh, at my best, try to explain them, and at my worst, not explain them. Um, <laughs> so we got Nice House on the Lake 
by Tinian. He's also the guy that's writing Something is Killing the Children. Yeah. Something is Killing the Children here. And then we have Ice Cream Man, the telethon one, which is weird. Uh, Noctera. We have Berserker. And that's all I can remember right now. That's tough because I want to read Something's Killing the Children, the newest one that came out. Um, you know what I really want, Justice? I want to hear the new Nice House on the Lake. You know, that's a really boring answer, Gary. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the This episode, or episode, man, why do I keep on saying that? This comic is new. It's interesting. I bought two issues because I have a feeling that it's going to become a TV show at some point. But it picks up with this girl in a bar. Actually, before that, it, it kind of picks up with this character who is kind of talking about how they're in the end times. And what would you, you know, what would you do if you were asked the question, you know, how would you end the world? And so it goes back to before the end times. And this guy is sitting in the bar and he's kind of just like, how do you think the world's going to end? And the girl in the bar is kind of confused and, you know, answers the question. And slowly, you know, through over a course of time, they meet up again at this bar every once in a while. And he always asks, how do you think the world's going to end? What's going to happen? And over a period of time, he invites 12 people, all with different backgrounds that can better society. Uh, some of them are psychologists, others are doctors, some are writers, reporters. Uh, he invites 12 of them to this lake. And that's why it's called the nice house in the lake. And the house is beautiful. And each person has like their own symbol. They're rooming with certain people. Like it's all planned out. And it's all because this one guy who keeps on asking, you know, how is the world going to end? How do you think it, it, w- it would go? Invites them all and has planned this whole event. As they get to this house, they're kind of, you know, the, the comic is setting up a whole lot because it's introducing all 12 characters, kind of how they know each other. Um, and each character has like the one, this one, the writer, Nora Jacobs, 34 years old. And you kind of get like a little background about each character. And some of them know each other. Some of them don't. But one of them, only one of them has a cell phone. And that's the first girl that we got introduced to in the beginning of this comic. Everyone else's phones aren't there. For some reason, they're, I, I think the, uh, the guy who keeps on asking how was the world going to end took them away. And... She finds out that the world is ending on her phone and people are getting like their face melted. Uh, The world, like the sky is just like blowing up. People are walking outside and like their eyes are burning and like their body, their skin's just melting and their house is perfectly fine. Nothing's happening to them. And they're going like through New York and like, it's kind of cool that they're in the comic. They're showing like different, like if you were scrolling on Twitter, what it would kind of look like, you get things from like current events, homes, New York, and they're just BBC breaking news. Firestorm of unknown region destroys New York City. No responding from down. Uh, no response from Downing Street. And so now all these like 12 people are freaking out because they want to go home. They want to save their family. And the guy who shows up, he goes like, well, guys, I did it. I ended the world. I took everything you guys said into consideration and now it's officially happening and you have to, (laughs) and you have to stay here. And so now that that's essentially the end of the comic. They, they freak out and one of them takes like, you know, like a fire, like the 
um, fire poker, like when you're got a house and yeah. house, one of them picks it up and like tries to swing it through the the guy who's asking the how would you end the world question, and I don't even know how you would have described this, Gary, but he like dissipates and then like reforms. Huh. It's like and, ethereal, like a ghosty kind of deal. Yes, and then he ends basically saying, "I love you all. Enjoy yourself." Because this, essentially, this this house in the lake is perfect, and it's separate from everything that's going on, and they're not going to get destroyed from the world ending. Interesting. So this is going to be a kind of like psychological horror comic because they're all essentially trapped there now. Yes. With this like god or Satan or whatever this guy is. Yes, and. I have a feeling that it's going to be 12 issues because on the front it has 12 symbols and the only one of them is highlighted. So I'm assuming each one's going to be from the different perspective of the, of, of a different character, but just imagine like, like, okay, so I just told you what happens in it, but if someone came to you and was like, how is the world going to end? I feel like that's a normal, not, I don't know, a normal conversation, but just like an interesting conversation that you would have with someone. But like, I feel like it's weird that someone would keep on asking you that same conversation over and over and be like, yeah, I've been thinking about how the world's going to end. And then he essentially has the power to do it. I just got distracted because this reminded me of a conversation we were having about genies. But yes, that is definitely <laughs> uh, an awkward thing for a dude to say. I'm wondering, like, how would I answer that? I feel like I would say it something jokingly and be like, like chipmunk zombie apocalypse. And the guy would be like, and put that in my notes. <laughs> I I think, um, I don't remember word for word of everything that happens in all the panels, but I think she does at first jokingly, you know, give a response. And he was like, no, like be serious. And she was like, oh, okay. And, you know, kind of, kind of gives this thing, but I don't know. And the, the more I think about it, I'm just like, oh, to get put in a house, not able to go and help anyone knowing that you're safe. And then this person put you here because you aided in the fact that he came up with how he was going to end the world. It, I wonder if it's going to end like lost where like they're all in purgatory or something. I don't know. I feel like Tinian's a better writer than that. Yeah. Uh, Tinian's stuff is great. So it's going to be good. Yes. So if you're interested, go and buy the nice house on the lake or go and buy something is killing the children or Batman. He's writing everything in on or Department of Truth. He's dude, he's going off, man. He's he is, reading, he's writing so much. He's DC's Donny Cates. Fair. Fair. Well, do you want to hear another comic or are you done for the day? Let's see. I'd like to hear cuz I was trying to follow um give me a little bit of Noctera for me. Okay. Um let's see. Have I described Noctera before on this show? I I don't think you have, but it it's kind of like the new Walking Dead in a way. But c- give them a right. little bit of a breakdown of the world here. So essentially everything is in darkness. And if you are outside for too long, you can get affected and become these dark creatures. It, it's kind of like a, a picture like a werewolf almost, but cloudy i don't even know how to like there's no fur they're just like these dark creatures it's like you get infected with a for lack of a better word zombie even though it's not really a zombie kind of illness unless you're around sunlight 
or artificial but, light. Right, but um, there's no sun anymore, so they have to band together to make like all these artificial lights. And our main character is a they call them their rig drivers. She transports people from different areas and they just like have these huge semis that are decked out with lights that are able to transport people from city to city that haven't been taken over yet. And and this and her brother who's they're both adopted and her her brother is um he's been infected so he has to be given either medicine or sit in a light for a certain amount of time so that the growth stops happening and what's interesting about her character is like there's the the whole comic is all about you know fear of the dark and you know being essentially blind because the darkness outside and there's no sun anymore and everything's blotched out but she was blind when she was younger as a kid and her adopted parents helped, you know, pay for surgery so that she could regain her eyesight. And I think that's a really cool, like uh, parallel just between like, she knows what it is to be blind and then to have her whole world again, blinded with no light. I think that's really cool. Scott Snyder knows what he's doing. Anyway, picking up where what's happening in the story. Um, she comes back and is finishing one of her runs and this one guy offers to pay for her to take her to like across the country essentially because he's got the code to bring back the light and bring back the sun and stop everything and she thinks it's kind of you know bs but he's offering enough money that she could pay to save her brother so that she no he longer has to do a bunch of treatment he'll just be you know cured and as they're going across the country there is essentially a I'm going to call him a demon. He's just a black figure. He's got no face and he's just got a white, white, white He smile. reminds me of like the dad from uh, Kids Next Door, if you remember that. Yeah. Like yeah, it was yeah. just where it's like super creepy, just a black figure. A black figure with wide smile and super white teeth. And he's after the the guy who can essentially save everyone. And so right now they, uh, they're traveling across the country. He catches up to them. And he's got this, the, the, the doctor has this book that has all the knowledge and, and the scene they're harpooning this truck to try to drain the energy. And he sacrifices himself by opening up the door and he gets harpooned off of the back of the the trailer and gets brought to the, we're going to call him the dark man. I don't even know what his name is. So that he gives the book to his granddaughter to the girl who's driving the rig and they're able to go off and she sets off this huge bomb. But that's kind of essentially what's going on. He had to sacrifice himself so that she, her, his granddaughter and the driver and the driver's sister or brother can go and save the world. I, and it's a cool concept. It It's like a twist on the, I, I hate saying the zombie genre, but honestly in, in a way that is new and creative and I, like, I, I mean, I like it more than Walking Dead kind of concept, just because it's something different. I like it because it's I too, you know, have a fear of the dark. Um, I think everyone kind of some, somewhat does, but like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I particularly have a, a a stronger fear with it. And to, um, it's just a new take on like what would happen if darkness did take over, and we no longer had the sun. And, and they kind of just talk about how like there Scott Snyder does a really good job of 
interplaying religion and politics and theology and all these other things and, and, and sorry i meant to say philosophy into his stories and her the the one thing is like her brother thought that when this happened heaven opened up and these these like if you stand outside like you know you're going to turn into these creatures that are going to you know purify you and make you this new being and you're going to be you know holy and whatnot and she was like i know what it's like to be in darkness and this is not heaven this is hell so i thought that was pretty cool it's really intense and like great action for it really cool concept cool world building it's just starting out so if you're looking for a good kind of starter-ish comic right now it's a good one to go for yep there's only four of them they shouldn't be hard to get you might have to find a second printing for a couple of them but yes definitely good story if you're looking for i'll give you three writers four writers right now if you're looking for a comic series you know check out charles soul scott scott snyder tinian james tinian and then donnie cates if you find any of their books i guarantee you you're gonna love them you're gonna be enthralled with, with whatever story they're telling But, Justice, where could the lovely people in the interweb find us? <laughs> well, they could find us, but it doesn't mean we'll interact. Um, <laughs> we are on Twitter, at Podwars Podcast. Uh, sometimes we do interact, sometimes we don't. Gary's been slacking on posting when episodes drop, but... Yes, I names. have. Not going to name names or anything. Uh, Not going to name names, but Gary sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, or you can, uh, if you have, if you want us to talk about something specific or want us to do a review on something or ask us to uh, hopefully interview someone someday, you can email us at askpodwarspodcast at gmail.com and we will respond and give you a shout out on the pod. And everyone have a great week. 